everybody, and welcome to Redeemed Through His Blood. In this podcast, we discuss hope, healing, and redemption through the atonement of Jesus Christ. I'm Scott Durfee, also joined today by my partner in this project, our teacher, Brother David Durfee. Good morning, everyone. I'm grateful to uh, be able to share these thoughts with you this morning. Just a couple of things that I'm going to ask real quick. Uh, if you won't mind uh, still sending us your questions, we've had some great questions and comments that we'll be getting into in upcoming episodes, one that we'll be talking about even today. But you can send those questions, comments, encouragement, ideas, um, get, even give us your criticism. We're trying our best to get better at this all the time, and we want it to be as good of experience as we possibly can make it for you. We don't have a survey process, which is what I'm kind of used to in my professional <laughs> setting. And so we're just going to ask you to uh, unofficially or, uh, yeah, just unofficially, if you wouldn't mind just sending us some emails and give us some ideas on what you think would be better uh, how we could do better and how we could definitely make it more engaging for you. I, I know, Scott, that um, no one can criticize us more than we criticize ourselves. I think we're our worst critics, and when we listen to these and we listen back to them, as yeah. I did recently to one of uh, one of our episodes, I feel always uh, inadequate and in. Uh, my inabilities and my weakness. Uh, so don't be afraid to help us by bringing things to our attention that maybe we might have overlooked, even though, again, we're, I think, our own worst critics. Yeah, and along those lines, too, um, if if you would just please try to listen to the message <laughs> more than the messengers here. And we'll try to get better. Yeah, we, we really do appreciate uh, your, your participation and listening. And, you know, honestly, we have received hundreds of great comments, uh, both emails and from uh, people in person. But, uh, you know, those great comments keep us going, but it's the uh, comments that help us get better that help us get better. And so we invite that from you. Last week, we talked a lot about faith. We're going to continue that again today. I just want to recap uh, quickly, and I'll have Dave hop in here as he feels appropriate to, to kind of emphasize and uh, re re focus maybe on as we draw our focus deeper into this topic uh, refocus again on some of the stuff that we talked about so you know we we talked a lot about the lectures of faith over the last couple of episodes uh, we this is a great treatise treatise uh, dave called it uh, that has been written uh, in the school of prophets uh, back in kirkland ohio uh, at the uh, school of the prophets 1833 1833 at the School of the Prophets. I've been there. In fact, I was there last uh, fall with Dave and others uh, of our yep. family and other Upper friends. The room of the uh, Newell K. Whitney store is where that School of the Prophets was held. You know, just, just real quick, too, along that, uh, many years ago, uh, my first visit to Kirtland, Ohio, was with a bunch of guys that I work with. For those that don't know, I, I do speak professionally going around the country doing... Um, seminars on financial things and we were in that area and while we were there decided to make a visit to the Kirtland Temple and to the School of the Prophets and things of that nature and I had had such a reverence for the things that I had been studying that had been taught in that School of Prophets that 
when I walked in that room, I felt the spirit, and I, and I felt the spirit like this uh, maybe a handful of times in my life outside of the temple. But when I walked in there that first time, and I was with uh, other men that I was working with, and it was unusual, but uh, they were all LDS as well. But w as, as we walked in there and they, they closed that door and we stood in silence, the hair on my arms just stood straight up. The spirit was so strong. And I think that... Uh, the, uh, the lectures on faith are an indication of the type of things that were so spiritually revealed there. But, you know, we recapped that uh, lecture number one talks about what is faith. We talk about power. It talks about power and how it's an action word and how faith requires action. And then two through five, it talks about lectures, that is, two through five. talks about the character attributes and perfections of God. Uh, we have spent a lot of time talking about that in our early episodes of this podcast. I encourage you to go back and visit those. And then um, six talks about how he knows that our, how we, let me rephrase that, talks about how we can know that our life is pleasing to God. I think that, as I think that through, David, uh, to know that my life is pleasing to God, I think that would solve every problem I have. <laughs> You know? Yeah, for sure. It's not easy to do, but that's kind of the third, according to lectures on faith, the third and final process that one must go through in order to have the, the faith of power, to know that the course that we are pursuing is pleasing to God. Yeah. That's not easy to do. That's not comfortable either. It's kind of putting your will on the on the altar of God. Yeah, which is a, a, a big task, at least, right? Finally, hard, hard uh, decision to make. Yeah, it, because it's more than a decision. It's it requires action. It requires follow through. It requires commitment, and all of those things that, as humans, I don't know. I'm human. I think uh, everybody listening probably is too, and I think that you would agree. We struggle with those kinds of things as humans in general. Finally, in uh, lecture number seven, it talks about the joys, the benefits, the results, the blessings of uh, living a life of faith and uh, developing that faith and, and learning more about our Heavenly Father's will for us through it. Well, um, today we're going to be moving into talking a little bit about faith again. Before we do, we do have a uh, question. And, uh, Scott, can, can we uh, pause for just a minute? Yeah. And uh, let me kind of bring us back one step back further, which is the reason we're doing this, kind of this is where we're at in, the, in our course of study, is that we have talked about the events of the atonement. We've talked about the effects of the atonement conditional and unconditional. And now we are speaking about how to access the atonement of Jesus Christ or the power of Christ through his atonement through by our participation in the doctrine of Christ. The doctrine of Christ being first faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Second, repentance. Third, baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. And third, fourth. fourth, fourth, receiving the Holy Ghost. And fifth, to endure to the end. So we're in just in the beginning stages 
of talking about the doctrine of Christ, which is, which is the key to accessing the power of Christ through his atonement. Yeah, and I think I'm so glad you brought that up, David, because as we go through this, these several podcasts, and I've had this comment from many people, uh, say, I am just really grateful that you build from one step or one concept or one precept to the next and then to the next and so forth. And so, you know, this is a good time to perhaps encourage you that if you are just now joining us, first off, we want to say welcome. Uh, we hope that you'll stick around and uh, find benefit and hope and healing in the things that we have to offer here. But uh, we also would encourage you to go back. Uh, I shouldn't say but. I should say additionally, we encourage you to go back and maybe even start with uh, episode number one. Now, episode number one is about Easter, the uh, Holy Week. Uh, it has to do with the triumphal entry and everything that took place day by day the week of Easter. That's when we started. Culminating. That was our first week. First week. Be- week before Easter. Yeah, and that, Easter. and that came out for Easter. And then from there, we begin to build on knowing ourselves, knowing him, uh, understanding the importance of all of that. Uh, from there, we move into the events. Uh, we spend a, a whole podcast talking about the, uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, the experience there, and all things around it as best we can. And then uh, the, the, a subsequent one to that, we talk about the crucifixion. The subsequent one, subsequent one to that, we talk about the resurrection. And now we're talking about, so they, that was all about the um, events. events of the atonement of our Savior. And now we're talking about the effects. This is our, I believe this will be our fourth, maybe even our fifth um, episode as we begin to talk about the events. And so, you know, as we talk about, not the events, the effects, as we talk and, about... And how to access. And how to access it. As we talk about these things, that's the key. How do we access it? Because that's what we get asked all along. You know, this if we don't talk about how to access it, if we don't talk about how do we apply this in our own lives, then we are in a really interesting academic endeavor. If we learn how to put on the atonement of Jesus Christ through the administration of the Holy Ghost, if we learn how to develop faith through study, through prayer, through participation in covenants, and so on and so forth, then we're really learning how to put on the atonement of Jesus Christ. My wife, Deb, and I, and I've talked about this multiple times, um, have, are, have been doing for the last two years what Dave here has been doing for 40 years, uh, prior to his retirement, and that's Teaching Institute. And as we've been teaching this, the question that we get, it, and we did this last week, we opened it up to Q&A. And what we do is we have people will text us in the class, will text us questions. More than half the questions have to do with how do I heal my life? How do I repent? How do I change my heart through the atonement of Jesus Christ? We know about it, but how do we do it? How do we put it on? How do we actually participate more than just mentally? How do we participate in those things? And that's what we've been talking about. So as we move into that, Dave, can I read this question? And then we'll uh, start moving into the uh, rest of the episode here. Yeah, maybe just one comment comes to my mind, Scott, is that when we we talked about the events and all of the suffering of, of Christ in the... Uh, his willingness to live a sinless life, all of his suffering in Gethsemane and the events between Gethsemane, and especially 
the culmination of his suffering on the cross being worse, even worse in Gethsemane because there were no angels there to strengthen him. And then his resurrection, just thinking about those events fills me with immense gratitude for Jesus Christ. Then as we spoke about the effects of the atonement, we spoke about all of the unconditional aspects of the atonement of Jesus Christ and how we are all covered unconditionally by the atonement of Jesus Christ, not just because of a physical, universal resurrection, but because of all of the negatives in our mortal lives that are the result of fallen world, of a telestial world, and and all of the abuses that we suffer as a result of that, all of that is covered unconditionally by the atonement of Jesus Christ. The We talked about the Hebrew word for atonement, which means to be covered. Kafar. And in order, in order to really understand that is to be filled with this immense vision of God's plan of redemption, his mercy, his grace, his love, his perfect love. And I don't know what it does for others, but I know what it does for me. Again, it fills me with this gratitude for and love for my Heavenly Father, His plan of redemption, my Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And it, it's this uh, gratitude and love for them, Scott, that gives me the motivation and the desire to move a little further and not just be covered by the atonement, but using your words just a moment ago, to put on the atonement which are the conditional aspects of the atonement, which take a conscious uh, effort and choice and work on our part, which moves us into the doctrine of Christ, to be able to choose and exercise and increase our faith in Christ and in his name, which we'll talk about today, to be able to repent and participate in the ordinances and the covenants of the gospel and to endure to the end, those are choices that we must make in order to, to be able to put on the atonement and to receive all of the full blessings of the atonement of Jesus Christ in our life. But the motivation to do that comes by understanding the events of the atonement, his suffering, and the effects, unconditional aspects of his atonement. Yeah, it's exactly right. And that's exactly why I have uh, extended the invitation to go back, go back to those early episodes and really get a feel for what it is. What what we'll be talking about today, I believe will be great. What we talked about last week, I believe was great. Uh, But standing alone, it's only so great. With that deeper understanding, with that culmination of the things that we've talked about, beginning with even really episode number one up until now helps this to become more complete. Yeah, so I think you have a few questions maybe yeah, we let's, can discuss. I have one. Uh, let's. Uh, I'm just going to read the question part of this. This is uh, written to us uh, by a young lady that uh, we both know and love. She says, for years I have struggled 
trying to get a prayer answered, and I don't understand why I have not yet been granted this righteous desire. I've tried asking a different way, and still nothing. So she's uh, obviously, Dave, experiencing perhaps uh, maybe a little frustration, perhaps maybe even she didn't say this, but uh, I can only imagine how I would feel and how I have felt as I've experienced similar things, maybe even a little discouragement, uh, maybe wondering, are you really there? You know, going back to that primary song, Heavenly Father, are you really there? So where do you, Dave, what would you say to, to this question? Well, I think there are several parts uh, that we need to kind of break down to understand the the question and to try to give a uh, sufficient answer. To be able to really trust in God and to exercise faith in Him means that we trust more in His will than in our own, that we desire His will more than our own, we talked last time about the faith of power is not to get what we want, but to be able to accept and carry out his will. So this person says that they've been praying for, did they say righteous desire? A righteous desire. desire. Yeah. A righteous desire. Okay, so uh, righteous is a relative term. Uh, I'm sure it is righteous, but Sometimes we want what we want, and we don't take into consideration what God really wants, and especially when he wants it. Yeah. So to be able to really exercise faith in God through prayer, uh, we need to not just have faith in him and in his power, but we need to have faith in his timing and that's something that we don't always see. That would be one, one part of this. Another part of this is oftentimes our righteous desires uh, include other people, uh, other, other events or people in our lives that we don't have control over. And um, we, we don't have power over others' agency, and neither does God. God cannot change the agency of others. It's kind of like Elder Oaks once kind of explained in his, in his amazing article, which we should all read and review from time to time. It's called Timing, the Lord's Timing. It's in the enzyme. You can just Google President Oaks and the word timing, and you'll find it. But he kind of counsels missionaries that they better be careful about setting goals for baptism monthly baptism goals may not be appropriate because other people's agency are involved in that. And we can't, we can't control other people's agency, and, and God chooses not to do, that, to do that as well. This person says that they've kind of changed how they've kind of prayed about things, but maybe instead of praying for an event to happen or for a change to occur or for some great thing to take place, Maybe we should pray to how to know our role in bringing about an event. How, for example, I shared many, many episodes ago about what the, the night I was praying that change my son, change my son. And um, 
I was chastised by the Spirit, and uh, the Spirit whispered, stop praying for me to change your son and start praying for me to change you. And I immediately, I immediately changed, and I said, bless me that I'll be a better dad. Help me to know how I can be a better dad. And then, Scott, we have to learn the discipline to listen. If we're, if we're going to ask that question, and I think it's really appropriate not just to pray to help me be a better dad, but maybe it's even more appropriate to pray, help me to know, give me the knowledge I need to be a better dad. Bless me with revelation. Then we should pause and we should listen. This is called inspired inquiry, revelatory response. That was a talk given by Elder Bednar in General Authority Training many years ago. And I know a Area 70 who was at that training. And I, after he told me what he had learned as a new General Authority and being trained, I remember turning, looking at his wife, and saying to her, so has he, meaning the new general authority, my friend, has he changed how he prays? And she looked at him, and he kind of nodded, and she looked back at me, and she said, yeah, he now prays with a notebook. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, that's a different level of prayer. Yeah. yeah. He said, I've had to learn the discipline to listen. And so he prays, and I think the brethren do this, and I think we should do this more often than we do, and some of us have never done it. To pray with a concern, with some, a righteous desire, and not just God do this, but with the prayer, how can I help bring this about acting in faith? How can I bring about thy will? for a person or to cause an event, and then listen. Pause and listen, and maybe write down a few notes. One, one more thing I'll say about this, and then you can take your shot at it, is I've always um, loved the Scripture in Doctrine and Covenants, section 46, that talks about the gifts of the Spirit, and a little bit at the very end of the section on how we can receive the gifts of the Spirit. So this is Doctrine and Covenants section 46, and I'm going to, I'm going to begin with verse uh, 28. And it shall come to pass that he that asketh in the Spirit shall receive in the Spirit. Now just think about that for a minute. Maybe if we're not receiving in the Spirit, maybe we're not asking in the Spirit. In the spirit. Verse 30, I skipped 29, verse 30, He that asketh in the Spirit asketh according to the will of God. Right. Wherefore it is done, even as he asketh. And again I say unto you, all things must be done in the name of Christ. Talk about the name of Christ maybe shortly. Whatsoever you do in the Spirit... And ye must give thanks unto God in the Spirit, in the Spirit, for whatsoever blessings ye are blessed with. 
and ye must practice virtue and holiness before me continually. Even so, amen. I think that's a a great uh, recipe on how to receive answers to prayers or how to pray. And so when we say we pray with righteous desires, are we are we following that uh, formula and recipe given to us in Doctrine and Covenants 46? Yeah, I like that. Everything that we've talked about uh, really is about aligning our will with our Heavenly Father's will. And his will, you know, you, you said it, and so I won't uh, readdress it, but I, I will mention it again. You said it, that oftentimes when we have these types of prayers, and I don't know what the situation is here exactly, I'm projecting my own personal experiences into this question because, you know, when I hear questions like this, I'm like, oh boy, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And when I have been able to, when this has been relatable to me, it's usually because there's another person involved. It's usually my prayers and righteous desires for another person. And that those prayers and righteous desires for that other person are always to come back to Heavenly Father, to get on the path, whatever that is. Which is definitely a righteous desire. And that's desire. a righteous desire. And so how can, how can I be convinced otherwise, right? And so when I say I have a righteous desire, and then I think, well, it, are my righteous desires in a line with his? His desire would also be that that would be the case. And so you brought up the whole, well, yeah, but God can't take that will for him, from him. When you said that your friend, a new general authority at that time, uh, was now praying with a notebook, it reminded me, you know, my experience uh, in the church has been pretty uh, vast, but quite limited because of my sin, because of my decisions, because of things that I've done wrong, which drove me, thankfully, actually Heavenly Father led me, thankfully, Uh, 23 plus years ago, two rooms of recovery where I have still, where I still participate quite regularly, weekly at least, um, and usually daily in contact with other people uh, who I'm helping and who I'm serving and by so doing helping myself. But we have steps and the, uh, there's 12 of them. The 11th step, I'm just going to read it verbatim. We sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. I'll pause right there. There's, there's, a, there's a really important component here that we need to understand him. Going back again to our podcast several podcasts ago when we began to talk about how important it is that we know him so, and, and we know how he knows us. And then it goes on, praying, praying only for a knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. His will for us and the power to carry that out. I know for sure that a righteous desire that I sometimes have, I have it in this moment and I maintain it most of the time, but that right, my most righteous desire is to align my will with his, know what that will, know what his will for me would be, and then I pray for that power to carry that will out. When I've done that, it's not always looked exactly how I would have designed it. But when I've done that, it has without fail led me to a peaceful resolution regardless of the outcome. I've learned it's important for me not to be in the outcome business when it comes to others. 
The only outcome business that I have any business participating is, is in the outcome business of my own. I do that by trying to understand his will for me and praying for the will to, uh, praying for the power to carry that out. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. I love that. That's kind of a description. What you just read is a description of the power of faith or the faith of power. To know the will of God, and I, I just think sometimes we pray. I do this too. I think we all do this. Yeah. We're 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 just human, and we we always kind of pray for this kind of want list, and some of those wants may definitely be righteous. Yeah, but we we should strive to pray to know the will of God, and as we learn to ask by the Spirit we will receive by the Spirit. Uh, that's, I've, been, I've experienced that a few times in my life where my prayers are less wordy, less me speaking, and more me listening, and really feeling what God feels. I really think the greatest miracle that we can experience is being able to see ourselves the way God sees us and to be able to see others who we love as God sees them. Right. And sometimes, Scott, just experiencing that will fulfill our righteous desires and will totally change our relationships and will totally change our prayers when we understand that this isn't just God's son or God's daughter, or, or uh, this is, I mean, this isn't just my son or my daughter, but this is also God's son and God's daughter, and that he's got them. And I've shared some experiences with, about that with my own son who went to prison. To be able to see him the way God sees him, that, that then um, goes above faith, into what we call hope, which is an assurance of God's promises for that individual. And eventually, to see them as God sees them is the gift of charity, to be able to see someone and feel for someone what God sees, how he sees, and what he feels for them. I believe that is the definition of the gift of charity. And maybe what we should be praying for more often is seeking revelation on how we can obtain the gift of charity to see ourselves and others the way God sees us and those we love. That kind of clarity would allevi alleviate so much turmoil, so much heartache, and, you know, anxiety. You know, we, we live in a world, David, where anxiety is so prevalent. Uh, one of the main issues that uh, is brought up Frequently, as we're teaching young single adults at Brigham Young University uh, and UVU for Institute, one of the main things that gets brought up is anxiety. Well, that anxiety comes because we aren't sure of our future. We aren't sure, uh, which none of us can be completely sure, but we're lacking the most important component of that. Being, being assured of our future is, is, is nice, but it's not important. What is important is knowing that we are connected to our Heavenly Father, that we're living our life according to His will and His direction, and there, there comes the, the comfort of the Spirit. Well, 
you know, in Moroni chapter 7, what you just described is hope. Right. You know, the gift of hope. You know, we we use hope in our vernacular, in our culture, as kind of a weak word. Uh, we Synonymous yeah. with hope is the word wish. I wish, I wish, I wish. Yeah. I hope. I, I, it's not used that way in the scriptures at all. And actually, you know, the Hebrew, the Greek, the way it's used in the Book of Mormon is uh, hope means assurance. Hope means we, we, can, we get a glimpse of the end from the beginning. And I love how uh, Moroni describes it in Moroni chapter 7 when he talks about the gifts of faith, hope, and charity. And uh, he says here, And again, my beloved brother, and this is verse 40 in Moroni chapter 7, I would speak unto you concerning hope. How is it that ye can attain unto faith, save ye shall have hope? Well, he, he begins this discussion. I won't read more. Our readers hopefully can go and review this. But he talks about the connection between faith, hope, and charity. You know, these are separate gifts of the Spirit, but they are inextricably linked. And I, in verse 40, he says, How is it that ye can attain? He doesn't say obtain. Attain. Attain unto faith, save ye shall have hope. Well, I, I've looked up the word. I've studied the, uh, the history, etymology of the word uh, attain. It means to endure. So what he's really asking here is, how can ye endure in faith if you don't have hope? Yeah, and, and it's really true. If I don't, if I can't kind of see, get a glimpse by the Spirit as a gift of the Spirit. I can't do this on my own; it comes by revelation. If I can't kind of see the end, uh, something of the end, something of a glimpse of how through the atonement of Jesus Christ and his mercy and grace, how this is all going to turn out, man, I, it would be really tough to endure in faith. But when we can receive revelation and obtain the gift of, obtain the gift of hope, we can attain unto faith or endure in faith. So if we're struggling with that, there's your recipe. That's the anecdote. Uh, if we're struggling with that, to have the Spirit, to attain that type of hope through a conscious effort, through a conscious contact, like I just read a few minutes ago, um, praying only for a knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out, there can be great benefit to that. So takes great revelation. Yeah. takes patience. We can't... We can't uh, dictate or manipulate revelation in our life. I've learned that. It comes in really quiet moments. We need to spend more time in not just expressing our righteous desires and our will. We need to spend more time listening for his desires, his knowledge, and receiving his will. That takes listening and revelation Lots of meditation. Well, so uh, we uh, move now into more on faith. Uh, and I think this is a perfect jumping off point to do that as uh, we uh, conclude that part of it. Uh, hopefully that uh, 
answer was helpful. Hopefully it can uh, provide some, perhaps some insight uh, and so forth. So for those of us who uh, sometimes struggle with that, uh, maybe that can, can be of help. Last week and the week prior, we began to talk about faith and we did talk somewhat about faith in the name of Christ. So, so far we, we know that uh, the first principle of the gospel and the first principle of the doctrine of Christ is faith, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And faith in the Lord Jesus Christ might some be somewhat different than faith in the name of Christ, uh, faith in his name. Now, I just want to read real quick. Uh, this will uh, be recognizable to many. Uh, to those who aren't, this is a uh, prayer that is a part of prayer. I'm not going to read the whole thing just because of the sacred, sacred nature of the prayer. But I am going to read a portion of it. This is a prayer that's offered upon our sacrament or upon uh, our... Uh, our last supper remembrance that we participate in as members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on us on a weekly basis. Every Sunday, we do this in remembrance of as we were, as he commanded us to do at actually at his last supper. And this is part of it. Uh, we're making covenants. We're actually renewing covenants here. And this is what it says without and witness unto thee, that they are willing to take upon them the name of thy son and always remember him and keep his commandments, which he has given them. And here's the promise back to us that they may always have his spirit to be with them. Now, what does that mean? To always have his spirit to be with them, to always have his spirit to be with us. We go back to the administration of the atonement of Jesus Christ. That is how it is enacted in our lives. That's how we put it on. And so again, that they are willing to take upon them the name of thy son. That's a requirement for us in order for us to be able to participate fully in the blessings of this covenant that we are here by renewing. So David, where do we go? Well, willing, willing to take upon them the name. That obviously is uh, looking forward or into the future. So what does it mean to really take upon ourselves his name? And what does it really mean to have faith in his name or faith on his name? So that's that's what we can that's what we can discuss today, Scott. Uh, I I've just been impressed over many years of study and I think it it goes back to a book that I read. I think I've been studying this, thinking about this, pondering this for uh, probably 25 years, Scott. Half your life. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Maybe maybe a little less than half a year's. <laughs> or, yeah, quite a bit less. So anyway, in 1997, I happened to be in Rexburg, Idaho, and I, I saw this book for sale. And be at Walmart, which I, I thought was kind of weird, but Utah town and being there at uh, at BYU Idaho for some, uh, some meetings. You called it a you called it a Utah town, which uh, folks <laughs> well, in Rexburg may take exception to that. Sorry, but, uh, sorry there's to our certainly Idaho a, friends. Certainly a uh, influence, right? <laughs> a Mormon town in Rexburg, at BYU Idaho, and. I had some time to kill one evening. I went in there, and there was this, there was this book that I'd never seen before. 
and it was uh, entitled His Holy Name by Elder Dallin H. Hoaks, who had been an apostle for 13 years, was called in 1984, and one of my my favorites, and and I picked up his book, and I I thought, well, this is probably just some conference talks he's given. And I read the preface, and this preface really affected me, Scott, and so it's been become kind of a personal study of mine. Uh, uh, this is what Elder Oaks writes. Uh, when I was called as an apostle, I went to the scriptures for illumination on my responsibilities. I found that I was called to be one of the special witnesses of the name of Christ in all the world. Doctrine comes 107, verse 23. A witness of Christ I could understand, but why a witness of the name of Christ? Sensitized by this unanswered question, I have been amazed at how often scriptural teachings on very important subjects refer to the name of Jesus Christ rather than to just the Savior himself. There is something important here, something heretofore rarely discussed in our literature. Then he continues. This is the the paragraph that really got me. This book, this little book, and I think it's 99 pages long, this little book is the product of more than a decade, 10 years, of prayerful study and pondering on the meaning and significance of scriptural references to the holy name of Jesus Christ. Wow, I I got thinking about that, and uh, of course I purchased the book and couldn't wait. I read it before I ever left uh, Rexburg, Idaho, and went back to my home in Lakeville, Minnesota. I read the book, I pondered it, I looked up the scriptures. It's been a, it's just been a, um, a, a, a passionate study for me. Uh, for 25 years now, and I think it's really significant. I hope it will be to our our listeners. But it was amazing to me as I began to make this study of how many times I be how how sensitized I became by the phrase that is over and over again, dozens of times in the scriptures, that say faith in His name. It doesn't just say faith in Christ or faith in our Savior or faith in our Redeemer. It says faith in his name. I'll give you, I'll give you just a couple of examples of this. We, we just read from Moroni 7, and in that chapter alone, it's multiple times in this chapter. So uh, just briefly, I'll, I'll, be, I'll skip around. In Moroni 7, 38, For no man can be saved according to the words of Christ, save they shall have faith in his name. Faith in his name. And then it talks about redemption. And in so many other places throughout the scriptures, New Testament, Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, it talks about the power of faith, not just in Christ, but faith in the name of Christ. Uh, In King Benjamin, you remember in King Benjamin's address, he called all the people together, not just to reign his son as king, taking his place, but we learn in chapter 1 of Mosiah that he brought them together to bestow upon them a name. 
And over and over again in King Benjamin's address, he talks about the importance of the name. In verse 9 of chapter 3, he says, And lo, he, speaking of Christ, cometh unto his own, that salvation might come unto the children of men, even through faith on his name. Faith on his name bringeth exaltation, which usually the word salvation means in the Book of Mormon. Salvation, exaltation, I believe in the Book of Mormon, are almost always synonymous. And over and over again in this amazing discourse of of King Benjamin, he talks about the power and the importance of the name of Christ. In verse 17 he says, There's no other name given nor any other way nor means whereby salvation can come unto the children of men, only in and through the name of Christ, the Lord Omnipotent. In chapter, if I skip over to chapter 5, and I think we've read this verse before, after, after the, all of those who have taken upon themselves the name which King Benjamin bestows upon these people, which I believe is more than just being baptized, Scott, in this, in this experience with King Benjamin and his people. They're near the temple. They face the temple. I think this is really a temple discourse. You know, um, maybe I'll pause here for just a minute. There's two ways to, for us to take upon ourselves the name of Christ. And one of those is by baptism. And he describes that here in Mosiah chapter 5. Verse 7, And now because of the covenant which ye have made through baptism, ye shall be called the children of Christ, his sons and daughters. Um, For behold, this day he has spiritually begotten you. For ye say that your hearts are changed through faith on his name. Through faith on his name are you changed. Therefore ye are born of him and have become his sons and daughters. So we can become the sons and daughters of Christ through baptismal ordinance and becoming members of his church. And verse 8 goes on and says, And under this head ye are are made free. And there is no other head whereby ye can be made free. There is no other name given whereby salvation, or we could say exaltation, cometh. Therefore I would that ye should take upon you that ye should in the that ye should in the maybe in the future take upon you this willingness to take upon ourselves the name of Christ uh, which uh, that I would that ye should take upon you the name of Christ all you that have entered into a covenant with God and over and over again he refers to the importance and the power of taking upon ourselves the name of Christ. So when we, when you read the scripture, the sacrament prayer, that we uh, are willing, by partaking of the sacrament, we show that we are willing to take upon ourselves the name of Christ. We took upon ourselves the name of Christ when we were baptized, but when we renew that covenant, as we participate in the sacrament, the ordinance of the sacrament, we are looking forward to the temple. And when we go to the temple, Scott, we are told in Doctrine and Covenants, section 109, in the dedicatory prayer of the 
Kirtland Temple, the first temple in this uh, dispensation, we are told uh, multiple times in that section, in that dedicatory prayer, that when we go to the temple, the house of the Lord, we take upon ourselves his name. And it's in the house of the Lord, through the ordinances and the covenants that are received there, that we become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Dave, let me let me read those. Can I? Yeah, I, please. I think it's important, because I think that uh, in order for us to really catch the enormity of what you're about to say, or what you're currently saying here, it would help us to read this. So remember, this is the dedication prayer at the Kirtland Temple, um, and I'm going to start in verse uh, 21. I'll do a little bit of skip. Uh, actually, I'm going to start in verse 22. I'll do a little bit of skipping around. I'll try and let you know when that happens. Uh, but it, it goes on, and we ask the Holy Father that thy servants may go forth from this house, from this house armed with thy power, and that thy name may be upon them and thy glory be round about them. It seems like that those two things may be uh, kind of conjoined there, the name and the glory, right? Uh, about them, and thy angels have charge over them. And then I'm going to skip to verse 24. We ask thee, O Holy Father, to establish the people that shall worship and honorably hold a name and standing in this thy house. And then again in 26, that no combination of wickedness shall have power. This is going to be comforting, and I think that we can derive a great deal of hope and inspiration in our own personal lives as we consider this final verse that I'll be sharing here. Uh, that no combination of wickedness shall have power to rise up and prevail over the people upon whom. Now, let's just pause for a second. What kind of combination of wickedness shall have power to rise up and prevail over this thy people? Let's consider that in our own lives. What combination of wickedness shall have power to rise up and prevail over me, Scott Durfee, over my family, over my friends. What combination of wickedness shall have power to rise up and prevail? Yeah, so this is one of the great promises, right? That yeah. the President Nelson and the, the prophets and the brethren and sisters are, are leaders within the church yep. uh, keep reiterating and repeating is... Um, this promise that if we go to the temple more often, yeah. we'll have greater power to overcome the temptations of the adversary. So go ahead and finish, uh, read that yeah, verse again. I'm going to read the entirety verse of 26. 26. That no combination... So this, again, is in 109, section 109 of the Doctrine and Covenants, Restoration Scripture, uh, verse 26. That no combination of wickedness shall have power to rise up and prevail over thy people... What people upon whom thy name shall be put in this house? Yeah, what a so promise. What a promise. The name shall be put upon us. Um, we take upon ourselves the name. So, Scott, in, in our culture, almost all cultures of the world, right. uh, we take upon ourselves a name, and that name is, is sacred, especially in in the ancient cultures, Semitic, Middle East cultures, name was, was sacred. And um, it, it has great meaning and great significance. For example, if I'm born 
I take upon myself the name, the surname, of my of my father. And I, uh, my, so my last name's Durfee. Your last name's Durfee. Uh, that's really sacred. That means something to have that name, right, put upon us, to have that name and to try to hold that name in honor and to keep that name honorable. Well, in our culture, when one is married, a woman takes upon herself the name of her husband. They share the same name in order that they may become one. They take on the same uh, contractual covenant relationship. Uh, one of the things that come from that, Dave, is they're identified one by the other. Yeah. Right? I mean, that their right. identification, they become one. And so as we take up on the name of Christ, that it becomes part of our identification. Yes. And we're promised that we will be joint heirs. Right. We're joint heirs with Christ. When we when I go to the temple, I this is the the thought that motivates me the most. That um, I I ponder continually when I'm in there is what I'm doing, and it's 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 in a way it represents and is symbolic of the ancient marriage of Israel to to God to Yahweh in the Old Testament or Jesus Christ Jehovah. And when I'm going to the house of the Lord, I'm reenacting this this marriage or this covenant relationship. So we're not just, no longer are we, when we go to the house of the Lord, are we just sons and daughters of Christ, as we become when we're baptized. But when we go to the house of the Lord, we become more than sons and daughters. We become joint heirs with Christ. So when we talk about the name of Christ, and when we talk about having faith in Christ versus having faith in the name of Christ, Scott, think about what that means and the power and the difference that can make in our life, that we are his and he is ours, that we are one joint heirs in Christ. There's just so many sacred things that could be said about this that I hesitate, that we can't really talk about because we'd have to be in the house of the Lord in the temple to talk about them. But as our listeners maybe return to the house of the Lord, or maybe some of our listeners haven't yet gone to the house of the Lord, the whole purpose of that is to be able to enter into a relationship with Christ that is more intimate than just being baptized, and to take upon ourselves His His name. Um, so everything that that the gospel is about is to enter into a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, becoming a joint heir with Him, that we may return to our our heavenly Father and our heavenly home with Christ as a joint heir. I think it's important that we understand the differentiation here. And there's, there's, it's, it's 
complex. It's multifaceted for sure. But I think that we can begin understanding the difference between faith in Jesus and faith in the name of Jesus by understanding the uh, the power that's attached to the name of Jesus. Not that there's not power in Jesus. There is power in Jesus. That's where the oh, power. Sure. That's where the power of the name comes from. Absolutely. That's where the power of the name comes from. But it is through the name. It is it is the power in the faith in the name of Christ that allows us to become, as you said, at joint heirs. Well, I, I invite our listeners to make a study of this. It doesn't have to be a 25-year study uh, off and on, as I have done, or Elder Oates, a much more intense study for 10 years, which he did, to understand his call as an apostle and what it means to be a special witness of the name of Christ in all the world. But I invite our listeners to make maybe... Uh, something of a study, and to begin to at least identify how many times in the Scriptures they, they read the term in the name, or on his name, faith in his name, uh, faith on his name. That is over and over and over again in the Scriptures, and f- for many it's somewhat hidden, and it's part of the mystery that I think is hidden. I think the word mysteria in the Greek means kind of an an ancient ordinance or a kind of acting out, uh, reenacting the marriage, uh, the, the covenant marriage. So I just invite our listeners to to begin to notice it as they study their, their scriptures and to be begin to give it more attention, because I think it can uh, help us to increase our focus. We talked a lot about that a few times ago, about in order to have faith in Christ, we must change our focus. Well, to focus on the importance of what it means to take upon ourselves the name of Christ, our willingness and our actions taking upon ourselves the name of Christ, changes my changes my focus. I think of this often and it it uplifts me, it inspires me, it 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 draws me closer, I know, to Jesus Christ when I ponder what it means to take upon ourselves his name. Wow. <laughs> An awful lot to talk about this week and we are bumping right up against our commitment of trying to keep these at about 1 hour. Um Great stuff today. Do you think maybe we will need to talk more well, about this next time? Or? You, you know, something else that I have I have kind of a passion about, it's, it's a discussion which we should have some time about what it means to call upon the name. Over and over in the Scriptures we read the, the, that phrase, to call upon the name of the Lord. Well, that will lead us into what it really means to repent. Because calling upon the name of the Lord means more than just praying in the name of the Lord. I know it means that in the very simplest, lowest level, calling upon the name of the Lord means to pray. Right, right. But it's a much more active prayer filled with faith and Amulek describes it, calling upon the name of the Lord is a faith unto repentance. 
that we we go to him with a broken heart and contrite spirit. So I don't know, maybe that's all we need to say, but it's an interesting study to really study what it means to call upon the name of the Lord. I think we need to talk about that. I think that uh, I've just made a note. I think in our next episode we will talk about uh, calling upon the name of the Lord because, you know, if we think about it, what are we talking about here? Our purpose and our mission here is to understand how to invoke the blessings and the power of Christ through his atonement in our lives. And if we understand how to call and, and the importance of calling upon his name, I think that will further enhance our development around that, don't you? Yeah, it's it's a, an important part of what, what our t- title of our podcast is, is redemption through his blood, and calling upon his name I- includes that. All right. Any final thoughts for us today? I I probably said more than I should have today, uh, and we're and you <laughs> have and you have left us wanting more. So we're looking forward. Well, to I that hope our week. I hope our listeners will study it. There's so many scriptures we we could have read uh, on this subject that we did, and I hope they'll uh, be led by the Spirit in their study and find those find those verses. It was just a few months ago that David introduced this book that he's been making reference to to me. Uh, it, very beginning when we even first started talking about and entertaining the idea of doing a podcast like this. And I can tell you, um, he may have read it in one sitting, but uh, there is, uh, he didn't study it all in one sitting. Well, it, I, it's so full yeah, of Yeah, I didn't scripture. sleep that night. <laughs> yeah. I didn't yeah. sleep that night when I started into this. It really had a profound effect on me. Yeah. And you know, one, one last thing. In essence, what Elder Oaks kind of concludes in his book yeah. is that that we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ, but we are exalted by faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So faith in uh, the name of Jesus Christ is what allows us to participate in the crowning ordinances of the gospel within the walls of the temple. It's a covenant relationship. Exactly. What a great uh, podcast it's, uh, I think. It's been again to, uh, it's, it's been that way for me. These all are. I learned so much. I feel the spirit uh, right here in our little recording studio slash office in my home. And uh, we're, I'm just grateful for the opportunity. Dave gave us a couple of challenges last week. I just want to remind you of. One, he, he, he reminded us that it would be important or a good exercise for us to consider the things in our life that we could eliminate things that we should stop doing or things that we should start doing in order for us to have our will swallowed up by our Heavenly Father's will. He extended that invitation to us last week, and I hope that we've participated in it. If we haven't, here's another reminder, and this is something that perhaps would be an ongoing participation, maybe part of a daily study and meditation. And now now today, um, he's also invited us to study what it means to take upon us the name of of Christ to understand what it means to do things in his holy name uh, and all of that. So great day today. We're looking forward to being uh, with you again next week. My invitation to you would be to do all that we can to maintain that conscious contact with our Heavenly Father, to deeper our understanding of him as we go along in every, not in any, but in every possible way that we can. And then by so doing, uh, letting his 
will be ours and praying only for an understanding of that just to understand what his will is for me and then the power to carry that out uh, empowers me to live a life of peace a life free of turmoil even when things get challenging and i'm grateful to know that today thanks for being with us we look forward to being with you again next week may god bless you until then take care